0: So over this whole year, we're going to be dipping into the Bible kind of chronologically, living in the big story. Um, And over this month, the month of October, we're going to be looking at a few characters in the Old Testament. Uh, Last week, we looked at a man called Saul, whose life spiraled and spiraled and spiraled out of control. And today and next week, we're going to be thinking about a man called David, King David, Uh, Maybe some of you have heard of King David, um, and he's famous for fighting a big giant on one stage in his life. And so one of these men, Saul, had a very corrupt heart, a heart that definitely did not go where God wanted him to go. David was a man with a good heart. Spoiler alert, though, David was not perfect. He did things that were not good as well, but he knew where to go when he made mistakes in life. Saul never, ever did. Um, Saul just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. David came to the place where he got forgiveness, and God healed him and restored him. And then we have Solomon, Uh, Last week, when Odell was speaking about Saul, she said that Naomi shared with her it's a little bit like either getting a thumbs up, getting a thumbs down, or maybe something like this in life. For some people, they're thumbs up people. Who make good choices and and, and are healthy, productive lives. Some people get a thumbs down and life uh, treats them very harshly, and some kind of flutter in between both of these. Um, So these stories are a little bit like these two objects on the screen. These stories that we read in this month and in the Bible in general are mirrors, or sorry, are, are windows. As we look through the stories of the incidents in these people's lives, Um, The writers are trying to show us what's going on inside them, what's going on in their hearts. That's why we've called this month Heart Stories. Because it's not just incidents that are happening outwardly, it's a little bit like what Donna was just talking about, about being embodied, our faith being embodied. What goes on in the outward aspect of our lives also affects us and reflects the inside our hearts. And not just these kings, but any of the stories in the Bible. But the other picture is of a mirror. And in the book of James, chapter 2, the writer to James says that the, when we read these stories, when we read the Bible, it can be a mirror to our hearts. So these are stories not just about these people, but they can reflect into us too. How is your heart's? How is your life doing? Are you someone who um, is feeling like Lindsay did uh, a number of years ago, that life was just spiraling out of control, didn't know where to turn to, where to go? Or are you someone that maybe you were there or maybe you're in a much better place and you're living a much more fruitful, productive life? That's what these stories can show us. How do you go from one to the other? Um, I want to recap a little bit about Saul last week because it sets the context for what I'm going to share with you about David. Saul um, was a man who had all the potential in the world. He was described as a, a tall, handsome man full of potential. And at the start of his life, we read these words, God changed his heart and the Spirit of God came on him powerfully. He had all the potential That anyone could have to live a healthy, productive, fruitful, good life. But his life was a series of downward steps and spirals. I'm not going to go into lots of details, but just to summarize very quickly. First of all, the first chance he had to to obey God and to become the kind of leader that God wanted him to be, he failed. He ignored God's voice. He he blocked out the voice of God and decided, I'm going to do it my way. In fact, if there was a tombstone um, for Saul that we could find, it would say in that tombstone, I did it my way every chance he had, he ignored God's voice and went on his own understanding and made his own choices. And uh, the prophet Samuel tells him because of this, his kingdom will not endure because he had not obeyed the voice of God. But it gets worse. Eventually, Saul has a major chance to to listen to God, to rectify things, to get back on track, to go God's way, and he does the exact same again. He ignores what God says to him. He takes measures into his own hands, and Samuel comes again and says to him, Saul, this time, the Lord has rejected you as king. And if that wasn't bad enough, the Bible says it got even an awful lot worse. It says, as a result of this, God's spirit left Saul and an evil spirit tormented him. That's what the text says, tormented him for the rest of his life. So it wasn't just his natural choices that now Saul was battling against. There were spiritual forces at work in this man that were pulling him downward, further and further and further until the end of his life. This is what the text Bible says about him. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord or inquire of the Lord, and he even consulted with a medium for guidance. And at the very end of his life, he can't hear God's voice anymore. He goes to meet this woman and tries to consult the dead. That's how far this guy turns away from God. But in contrast, we want to learn today uh, a positive story, a good story about a man called David. And in the Bible, David is described as a man after God's heart. The things that David's heart beat for were the things that God's heart beat for. He came so close to God in his life, and we're gonna find out later the ways that he did that, but one of the ways he did was through music. Um, he was, a, he was a, a writer of songs. He was a musician. He composed songs and drew close to God through his music. That was a very powerful, powerful, um, if you want, tool in his life and, and means for him to come close to God. And when we worship together as a church, when any church gathers to worship, we're not just singing songs, but this is coming out of our heart, coming to the heart of worship, the heart of God's. Um, The big question, of course, is how do you get a thumbs up from God? How do you get that? In in the New Testament, Paul writes on one occasion, and and he says to a a young disciple called Timothy, he says, one day you want to hear these words from God, Timothy, well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that be a great um, testimony at the end of anyone's life? Well done, good and faithful. You've made it. You weren't perfect. You made mistakes, but you kept on going. You listened to God's voice and you got there. So how do we get that thumbs up in life? How do we know when God is smiling upon us when we're we're going in a positive, productive way? Two times in the New Testament, David is mentioned in the book of Acts. Uh, One of the times by Paul and another by Stephen. When Paul talks about David, he says this, after removing Saul, God raised up David as their king. He testified concerning him, saying, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man according to my heart. And Here's the key phrase. He will do all of my will. That's what it literally says. NIV is a wee bit different, but that's probably a more accurate translation. He'll do everything. He will do everything I tell him to do. He'll listen to me he won't reject my voice, and he'll do all the things that I'm telling him. And then Stephen, when he's talking about David, says this, David found favor before God and asked that he might provide a dwelling place, or the word is a tabernacle, a tent for the God of Jacob. So, there's two key lessons in David's life that show why he was a man who did not go the way of Saul, whose life did not spiral out of control so he couldn't even hear God anymore. And the two key features in David's life are these. He was a person who was committed to doing the will of God. The things that God wants to see happen, David wanted to see happen. He chose God's will and God's way over his own way. And I don't have time to go into this this morning. I was speaking with Suzanne at the end of our last service. So you've got to trust me in this, or if you don't trust me, go read the book of first and Second well, Samuel, especially. When David became king, every major decision he had to make, he goes and consults with one of the leaders, the priests of Israel, and says, "Tell me, what's God's will? What does God want me to do?" every single time, it says he consulted with God. He inquired of God. And the priest told him, God says, yes, do it. Or David, no, don't do it. And he listened to God most of the time. Next week, we're going to talk about the time when he didn't listen to God and what happened. But most of the time, he was a man who wanted to do the will of God. Secondly, David was someone who was concerned for the glory of God. We don't, we don't use the word glory anymore today. Maybe the word honor is better for you. So when David lived as king, when he, when he moved in the community and moved in the country, everywhere he went, if he saw things that dishonored God, people worshiping other gods, people committing acts of injustice, people who were suffering when the poor were trampled upon, whatever it was he saw and he went, God doesn't like that. That does not please God. I don't like that either. He did something about it. He wanted to make sure that God was honored in people's lives. And when that wasn't happening, it grieved him so much that he wanted to do something about it. So let's jump in to three things I want to say with David. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 16. So you can follow in your Bible, on your phone, or just listen to these words. This is right at the start when he was a young man. Saul has been rejected, and God is going to choose someone else. First Samuel 16, then the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil, go on your way. I am now sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So Samuel prepares to go up to Jesse's. And then in verse uh, 6, when he arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, who was one of David's sons, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed. In other words, the one whom God has chosen stands here today before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things we look at, we look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then other sons of Jesse come, and in verse 11, um, God rejects them all. So Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest son, Jesse answered, but he is out tending the sheep. Keep that in mind. Samuel said, go and send for him. We will not sit, to, sit down until he arrives. And so he went and he brought in David. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord then said to Samuel, rise up and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took his horn of oil, anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And so the first thing that we want to learn today about David is he was chosen. In her um, kind of testimony, her, what she was sharing today, Donna talked about the various seasons of life and how God can prepare you in one season for something that you're going to do in another season, and that was true for Donna. and I'm sure Mari could say the same, I can, in my life. And we don't know a lot about David growing up. The Bible is really um, silent on that. But the one thing we do know about David when he was young was he learned how to care for sheep. (laughs) He was a shepherd. And later on in one of the Psalms, not written by David, this is written by one of his friends, a man called Asaph. This is how he describes David, his friend. God chose David, his servant, he took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, God brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Israel. And David shepherded the people with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. So David grew up learning how to care for sheep. And I'm not a shepherd, never wanted really to be, but I'm told that sheep are not the easiest animals to look after. Sometimes they they wander away, they don't recognize the danger, and you need to rescue them and bring them back, okay? So David learned as a shepherd how to care for sheep, and the Bible really tells us God was preparing him so that he could shepherd people, not sheep. I've chosen him, he's tending the sheep. Second thing we learn about the calling of David is about his heart. And again, God could see into the heart of this young man. God could see potential in him. God saw that this young man, okay, when he grows up, he's going to listen to me. He's, he, he knows how to care for these sheep. He knows how to uh, rescue them when they get into danger and feed them to, to, and lead them to good places. He knows how to be a leader of sheep. I'm going to be, make him a leader of sheep of people. And people are going to follow David because David's going to follow me. And that's the other thing about listening to God and making good choices in your life. When you do that, when you listen to what God's saying to you and you don't reject it and say, that's, that's fine, but I'm going to go my way. When you choose to listen to God's voice, God will not just work in your life and help you to live a more productive, healthy, fruitful life, but it will influence other people too. Other people will see you and they'll go, there's something different about that lady. There's something different about that guy. I don't know what it is. Mari was saying today that only 3% of clients who come to camp go to church. And I know this, and I work with Mari, and I I hear lots of stories from Mari of other people who get debt-free too. And I see the smile and the joy in her face, usually on a Tuesday morning in staff meetings when she says, great news, someone else has gone debt-free. You see, the joy and her, when people's lives change, they make that. And these people who come through CAP, they see Mary and all the other workers, and I know that, they say, there's something about them that's different. They really care for us, they love us. They're not going to walk away from us and abandon us. The third thing about David was this. Yes, he had a heart for God. Yes, he was being trained as a shepherd, but look at what it says. That was not ultimately the source of David's strength. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So he was supernaturally endowed with the ability to follow God and lead for God. And so that's the first thing we can learn today. What made David different? Well, he's a man that God looked down and saw him as a young boy caring for sheep. He said, he has a good heart. He a good heart and I can see his heart. I'm going to choose him. I'm going to anoint him. One day he's going to be king. He's going to lead my people. And I'm going to give my spirit to him in power to enable him to follow me. Second thing about David I want to share with you today is his courage. I don't have time to read 1 Samuel 17. It's a very famous chapter about a man called Goliath. If you've grown up in church, uh, even if you haven't grown up in church, many, many people know the story of David and Goliath. Politicians use this about the underdog overcoming the oppressor. Um, Business people talk about this. So People know about David and Goliath generally. But the, I just wanna bring a couple of things out of this story. Just let me remind you, there's this great giant, a man called Goliath. He's a Philistine. He comes from the region of Gaza, interestingly. Some things never change. And he went out to encounter the forces of Israel. And he, he, he taunts them. In fact, he doesn't just taunt them and mock them, but he mocks their God. He says, who do you think your God is? You Israelites, you think your God is more powerful than our gods? we are Philistines. Our gods are great gods. We will defeat you. We will overcome you. Your God is powerless. And he mocks and taunts the God of Israel. And on that day in the battlefield, there was a young boy who came with some supplies for his brothers, and he heard this man. He heard his mocking words. He heard his taunts, and he goes, who does he think he is? Shepherd boy comes with some supplies. Comes with a sling and five smooth stones. Remember that. And so Saul says, well, anyone go and fight Goliath. And of course, it was one of those, um, you know, no one wants to go forward. Well, anybody go and fight this guy. Nobody would do it. Not even David's three brothers, who God had already um, uh, encountered. David goes, I'll go pick me. Me? The boy? The shepherd boy? You've got no armor. You don't know how to use a sword. How are you going to defeat this giant? He will wipe you out. He will make mockery of you as well. David says, I'll go. And this is what David says. You come against me, he says to Goliath, with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel." And David knew where his strength lay. You might be big, you might be strong, you might be powerful, you may mock us and scorn our God, but our God is the Lord Almighty, and with him on my side, you don't have a chance. It says he took his sling, Saul tried to give him armor and sword, he didn't want it, it didn't fit. He took his sling, put one stone in it, and like an expert marksman, threw his sling, the stone hits Goliath in the head and he dies instantly and this shows us the courage and skill of David he didn't just trust in his sling he trusted in God and God enabled him and gave him the courage that to stand against that man another verse in the same chapter david says all those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. You and I may never have to stand and fight a giant. I hope you don't anyway. But there's other giants in our lives. It could be the giant of debt, it could be the giant of addiction, it could be the giant of poverty, it could be the giant of Abuse and any things that have happened in your life and, and all kinds of issues in our lives can be major giants in our heart and in our mind. And we know they're there. We can see them and hear them all the time. Maybe some of you here today are living with giants inside your heart and your mind. You don't know how to overcome those giants. This story reminds us that there's a God in heaven who can help young boy overcome a giant. And you've heard a story today, an amazing story of a woman who with God's help overcome an incredible giant in her life. And God can do it for you too. And finally today, David was a man who was, I want to call him a curator. of worship. a curator? He, 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 Somebody who enables worship to happen. He puts the things in place to make sure that God was worshiped in the lands. Now, When David was a young man, the other thing that he learned to do was play musical instruments. He played a lyre, which is like a guitar, and he played a harp, and maybe others too. And He used to play them for Saul to try to calm him down and pacify him. But in in the Bible, there's a whole collection of songs called the Psalms. And David wrote a lot of those Psalms. Uh, Not all 150, but he wrote a lot of them, including others maybe aren't included. And when David was going through life and was facing challenges, he wrote songs. He wrote these songs to God and about God. Some of these songs are, are like, God, you're amazing. Thank you. God, you're so powerful. I love you. Other songs are, God, where are you? Like, come on, I need you right now. They're about to kill me. God, please help me. All kinds of permutations and sides of life. David wrote a song, and he enabled worship to happen. The other thing about David was he put God back in his place. What I mean by that? Go with me with this one. Um, In that time, the the Israelites um, didn't have a temple. They didn't have a place where they would go up and worship God. They had a kind of a tent that they built. And inside this tent was a box. And inside that box were the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. And that box inside the tent reminded the people of who God was, and He was their God. They called it the Ark of the Covenant. So it wasn't Indiana Jones who invented that. Okay, it was God. Okay, he came up with it long before. The Ark of the Covenant was a special object that reminded the people that God was in the center of their lives, in the center of their nation. And when the Ark wasn't there, God wasn't there. And guess what? When David became king, there was no Ark. So David sends off some of the the, the leaders of the of the people to find the ark. He says, bring it back. Go and get it and bring it back. We wanna put God back in his place at the center of our lives. Everything revolves around him. And they brought the ark and they brought it back and it says, David made a special tent just for the presence of God. See what's in this guy's heart? See what's in his heart? He's like, God isn't just here, but God's here. Okay, and we gather around him. Okay, and when we make decisions as a nation, we listen to what he says, not what we want to do. The other thing, as I've said, David was a great singer. He was probably the original worship leader way before Josh ever became a worship leader. We had David, okay? And if only we could meet David and hear some of his songs. He's called the Sweet Singer of Israel. And the final thing today was um, for a whole chunk of these, these books, Chronicles and Samuel, it talks about how David organized worship in the land. He found musicians, he found singers, he found leaders, he found choirs, he organized them all so said, you guys are going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to play this and you're going to do that. He organized the whole lot so that when people heard about Israel, they heard about a people who worshiped God. And when they came and they listened to the songs that they sang and the music that they played and the way they treated one another, they went, oh my goodness, these people are different. That's what David created. He made Israel a nation to worship God again and put God at the center. We don't have a box anymore. Okay. And you certainly don't want to put God in a box. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't try and do that. Okay, God breaks down any boxes we put them in. But we're going to move now into a time of communion. <clears throat> and instead of a box, um, we have communion. We have bread, we have wine or grape juice, and um, those are available. Um, and in just a moment, you're going to be able to go and take some wine. There's a table just down here at the back where you can go and be served by our stewards. In the New Testament, one of the titles for, David, for Jesus was the son of David. Isn't that interesting? What do they mean by that? Jesus, like David, he was set apart, chosen by God. He had a passion for God's honor, God's glory. He was fully committed to the will of God, and ultimately he put God back in his rightful place. How did he do that? He came into our worlds. He lived among us like one of us. He showed us how to live fruitful lives. He showed us how to care for one another. He showed us how to forgive. He showed us how to live the way God wants human beings to live. Then at the end of his life, he took, Bible says, he took all the sins and the evil and the corruption of not just the people of his time, but of all time. He took it upon himself. He paid the ultimate price but with his life so that we could be free. And that's what we remember when we take communion. That Jesus, the son of David, achieved God's will by giving his life on the cross so that you today can live a productive life. You can live a life that pleases God and actually pleases you too (laughs) if you follow Jesus. If you listen to his voice, you will hear the voice of God. And if you blot out that other voice inside you that says, don't go that way. Don't do that. Do it your own way. Go your own way in life. How's that going for you? I want to ask today. How is it going for you if you're trying to do that? Listen to God's voice. And as we come just now, the band are going to come in just a second and play and lead us into communion. Going to pray. And then when the... Um, when you're encouraged to do so, please go take wine, take some grape juice and give thanks to God. But what we're doing right now is we're coming back to the very heart of what it is to worship. And so, Father God, thank you for David. Thank you for all that we can learn from him. And thank you for Jesus, the greater son of David, who came and lived and died and paid the ultimate price so that we could be free, set free to serve you, set free to live the kind of lives you want us to live. And We thank you for these elements, for bread, for grape juice, and as we take and participate in this today, help us, Lord, to worship you and put you at the center yet again of our hearts and our lives. Amen.